Drink it in now. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, we are back. It is Thursday, and we are here to talk about a certain running back for the Detroit Lions, number 21, Amir Abdullah, recently had some comments where he was talking about he doesn't get any touches. When he does get a touch, he breaks it off, and then he doesn't get another one for another couple quarters. Last time I checked, the stats don't go to back all this up, but I want to know where's this guy fall on the depth chart? Where is he getting this uh, notion that he hasn't been used or hasn't been given the to? He hasn't been healthy. And when he is out there, he hasn't been producing. So I'm going to throw it to Grifka. Grifka, what's your thoughts on what Abdullah said, where he's at as a Lions running back, and what he's done up to this point in his career? I would have to agree with you. Like you said, like his stats really haven't backed it up. I mean, you're right. There's points where he shows flashes. You know, when you think, okay, great, we got this guy. And then something will happen and, you know, injuries have like kind of derailed his development. And, you know, he, you know, he does have a little bit of fumbleitis here and there too. So if the coaches don't trust him, you know, giving him the ball, I don't think he's shown enough yet to where, you know, if he fumbles the ball, you know, they're going to like trust him to like continue to hold on to it. So that might be one of the reasons why it doesn't get his touches, but there's, there's other things that are just like, he doesn't, doesn't seem to be advancing. Like, uh, pro running back should be like I said I don't know if it's the injuries or maybe the coach is just not trusting him but or like maybe even the offensive line hasn't been that great but he uh he doesn't seem to be you know I, if he's talking about breaking off big runs I mean I don't remember him seeing busting off any 80 yard touchdown runs and then him getting benched the rest of the game I'm, I'm not seeing it as for death chart wise as of right now I, I would see him probably fourth you know behind you know Blunt and Johnson and even Theo Riddick, because I think Theo Riddick can do a little more than what uh, uh, Abdullah can do. And uh, I could see him maybe even being like some sort of like trade chip during, you know, the preseason, even for like a late round pick, you know, a seventh round pick, you know, just to get a pick in return. Um, and I know he's still on his rookie track, so his salary's not really hurting the cap. But I mean, I, I don't think he's going to progress in front of the three guys I mentioned. So, him, you know, saying he's not getting touches, he's going to get even less, you know, with being fourth on the depth chart. That's kind of where I put him right now. Interesting, Grifka. Uh, for the first time ever, we got three people on this call, a three-person Kool-Aid cast. Big Hughes, you're on the other side of the line. Uh, what are you thinking about this whole topic, what Grifka said, and where do you sit on this whole thing? I mean, <clears throat> you guys are both pretty correct. Um, I'm trying to think about his past injury history. I don't think I've seen anything about injuries to the head, but based on what this guy said, I'm pretty sure he's got some kind of concussion going on right now. <laughs> I, I do not remember any long touches, touchdown runs, or anything over 10 yards, whatever he's talking about. And then he's complaining about, you know, seven or eight, you know, rushing attempts towards the end of the season. Well, yeah, it's because they benched you because you weren't getting the job done. Like, it's, you know, we get rid of one loud mouthpiece and Eric Ebron, and then we get replaced with another one. It just it, it just blows my mind, and it gives you like a, a, a sense of how these people either play victim or these players play victim, or they're all about the team. Because the same type of questions were asked to Seal about, hey, you know, what's it like with the running back room? You guys got a lot of people in there now, blah blah blah. 
And Theo's response was, it doesn't matter as long as we win. There's nothing about, I'm not getting enough touches. I don't, they don't use me enough. They don't use me the right way, anything like that. So as far as I'm concerned, he can be buried in the depth chart and be packed away and sent off like we sent Ebron. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, my thing with Abdullah is like, why now? Why now is he coming out and saying this? Like to me, it's almost maybe he sees the writing on the wall that he's been pushed down to the fourth, and that he just wants to uh, be shipped out of town. I was trying to find a place we could ship him, and there's not like any great spots that he can go. Grifka said a seventh rounder. Like to me, we spent a high second round pick on this guy. Yeah, he hasn't produced, but he's like 24, 25 years old. Yeah. You know, I'd love to get a bit more than a seventh, but um, I think this is him trying to get out of town. And I think on the positive side, like I've always kind of rooted for this guy, even though he hasn't produced, thinking he looks like a explosive athlete every time I see him. The problem is he gets knocked down by the wind and anybody that gets a hand on him puts this guy on the turf. So um, I think Hughes hit it on the head, too, with your comments about Theo. Theo got up to that podium and said, it doesn't matter. We're all about winning. I, it just raises the com competition level. Um, that's all we need to hear right now. We don't need to hear about how Mir Abdul hasn't been given a chance because when he was given a chance, he fumbled the football. Then the next year, he was given the football all the time. He didn't produce. And then uh, Hughes and Grifka both said it. The reason your numbers look the way they do is because they sat you down because you couldn't produce and you couldn't make any explosive 80-yard plays like at least J Javid Best did back in the day. At least he house-called a few and got us uh, a few Ws. So um, I think he's trying to get out of town, and I just don't know if the Lions will find a suitor or want to do so. But uh, we'll, we'll see how this running back shakes out, no doubt about it. I mean, if he's talking that way to get himself out of town, other teams are going to have to feel the, you know, kind of feel the same way of, about it it's just like oh he may have some talent we may be able to you know get you know like i said just a seventh round pick for him but i'm sure other teams are like listening to him and it's just like okay do you want to come in i mean we might need a backup we might take it you know try to trade for you but if you're gonna like look to come in and be the workhorse here you know we're not gonna trade for you because you're just gonna be a malcontent again you know so him you know it, I, I guess it's that fine line of like you know you're trying to talk your way out of town but you know, some teams are like, okay, yeah, we got a spot. You know, you could compete for number one. Well, other teams are just like, well, I guess we could use it as a number two. And, you know, he's not going to be happy about that. So I guess it's that fine line. He has to, you know, walk, you know, with him talking the way he's talking. Grifka and Hughes, this is to both of you. When you look at Amir Abdullah forgetting about what he said and, and taking into consideration what he's done up to this point, do you see him making an impact on this team this season or going somewhere else and being good? Um, I would. I don't see him making an impact. I mean, based, his comments aside, he's had every opportunity, minus the one year that he got hurt in game one, to, like, show what he had. I mean, they've given him almost two full years of being the lead running back, and he just, you know, when he gets his chance, like you said, he fumbles, and he's just, he's not reliable. I mean, he could potentially go somewhere else and be productive. I mean, that happens sometimes. I mean, even Lincoln Tomlinson was starting games for San Francisco 49ers, so there's a chance for everybody. But I would I I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's either cut or traded just based on who we have and the fact that we use another high second round pick on a running back. Yeah, I I I see him being like just buried on the depth chart if he sticks with the team. And the only way he's going to get substantial playing time is if there's just injuries in front of him. I mean, we're talking where Johnson would have to get hurt. Maybe not Blunt as much because once again, Blunt's getting a little long in the tooth. So I can't see him just getting a whole bunch of carries, you know, through the whole season. But the only way 
Abdullah's going to make an impact on this team as if somebody's injured in front of him for a long time because he doesn't play any special teams at all. You know, when's the last time – I mean, what, his rookie year was the last time he touched the field in any special teams? Um, and going to another team, I mean, yeah, he, he may be able to make an impact, but I can't see all of a sudden like the, uh, the, the light being flipped on and all of a sudden he's just, you know, breaking everything off like Emmett Smith or something like that. So – I mean, he's just he's just another guy right now. He's another guy on the roster, and I think he's going to be that no matter if he goes somewhere else. Well, we'll definitely have to see how it shakes out. I mean, getting this running game right and figuring out how all these different players fit and their role is going to be important. And, uh, man, you go back and watch Amir Abdul's highlights coming out of Nebraska, and you watch, you see the player, just the way he's built and the skills he has, you think he'd have a chance to be a – uh, a decent offensive weapon or at least a, a an impact guy on third downs. But he just hasn't been that, and I think, uh, you know, time's coming to an end, and he's maybe trying to speed up that process with his comments. So we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, love your guys' take on that. And uh, like I say, it's very important to the Lions this season. So um, it'll be interesting to see. So we'll take it from there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to, you know, stop wearing my Ebron jersey and go pick up my Frank Ragnar jersey. Did you put your you put that Pettigrew in glass yet? Oh yeah, dude. I actually had to go to the bowling alley he was working at to get him to sign it. (laughs) Did he? Did he? uh, Did he drop it when you handed it to him? (laughs) Yeah, that's the worst part. And then he like put his hands on his head, you know, like on his forehead, like kind of like, oh dang, you know. Then he looked at me and said, next time, bro, next time. I'm like, hey, it's cool. And I picked it up and I gave it to him and he held on to it. So, yeah. <laughs> Pettigrew would have to have steel-toed boots if he was at the bowling alley. He dropped the ball right on his toes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, classic. We got to beat up on our tight ends. There's, that's, that's a segment every week if we want it to be. Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, we are back in the house. I've got Grifka and my buddy Hughes here on the other end of the line. We are here and we're about to talk about probably the most important piece to this Detroit Lions team heading into 2018. They put a ton of resources. They've got a lot of bodies. We're trying to sort it out where they're going to go. Can they make a big jump? And all of you out there listening who are Lions fans, you probably know which area I'm talking about. It's the offensive line, the big nasties, the trenches. Grifka, lay it out for me. What you're thinking, where these guys are going to go, and can they be way better than they were last year? Because they definitely didn't live up to the hype. Well, I think the biggest thing with the offensive line is probably going to have Taylor Decker there all year. I know uh, what he was out half the year when they came back. I'm, I think there was like the thought that he would just come back and start to dominate again or you know, just be you know, really, really solid. But you know, he missed all of he missed, you know, half the year and a lot of the preseason, so he had to get his feet back under him. Um, that, as we also know, the the left guard situation, you know, was always kind of in flux. It just seemed like they still haven't really found somebody to, you know, 
to put there to like solidify that next to him. I mean, especially with the trouble they had at center, so I had to move Glasgow over center and you know, I don't know how many different people they had playing guard, but it just seemed like at one point there was just a garbage bucket out there just playing guard and it was just it didn't matter. You know, it was just you know, nobody blocking anybody at that spot. And then um, you know, drafting Ragnow in the first round. Um, my biggest worry is with him just being a rookie, I realize he had a you know, a bunch of starts under his belt at Arkansas and then he missed half of the year with injury. Um you know, you're expecting you know a rookie to come in and be able to you know protect your, your protect your uh you know your was it your Pro Bowl quarterback, you know guy that we're depending on pretty much to win us so many games. So that's my biggest worry right there. And then just the right side of the line, that team. I mean, we spent a lot of money on them last year, and to be honest with you, I thought they pretty much underperformed. I mean, everybody was expecting you know Lang to come in. Lang's more he was always kind of like a pass blocker up in Green Bay, and everybody was expecting him to be some sort of road grader. But he's not. He's he's better at pass blocking. That's what he does. But maybe if like, you know, you know, Ragnar was a little, you know, you know, turns out to be pretty good, and you know, Wagner performs a lot better than what he did. Maybe he can just you know fit in, you know, and be a be a better run blocker. And then once again, I think Wagner really uh, underperformed last year, considering what you know the the amount of contract you know we gave him. Um, that's a lot of money to spend on him. And I know this year, like uh, you know. We always, like I said, it seems like we're always, like, signing, you know, all these offensive linemen to, you know, get cut from, like, the Giants and, you know, all these other teams that, you know, their offensive lines are terrible. And I, I realize it's probably just for depth and, you know, for training camp and, you know, you know competition. But I think the line's going to be better. But I think the biggest thing is it's going to be the Taylor Deckers all year. Uh, they're all year. That'll be the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that'll help improve that line. Big Hughes, before you jump in, I want to – uh, throw it back to Grifka for one second. Give me your uh, starting O line in a perfect world, left to right, and then maybe who are like one or two backups that you think you can count on this year. Give that to me real quick. I think it's got to have to be uh, from left to right. It's going to have to be, you know, Taylor Decker, Glasgow at guard, Ragnow um, at center, and then Lang and Wagner. Um, their backups right now could go between, you know, any any of those guys that they signed. I mean, the development. I, Joe Dahl, I'm still waiting for that guy. But once again, he came out of Washington State, which was mainly a passing offense. I mean, we always hear these things in the preseason. He's really improving. He's really improving. But then they go and sign some more depth, so it doesn't seem like they're sold on Joe Dahl yet. Um, so really, their backups, I mean, once again, I don't think there's anybody's like, yeah, he could he could take that spot. That rookie Crosby, I know they're, everybody's hyped about him. I'm here. I'm reading all this stuff. How much of a steal he was, but once again, I mean, he, he's a rookie. You know, can can we depend on him to be a backup if Wagner goes down, or if uh, you know Taylor Decker goes down? So, and I, I'm just hoping that whole that starting five I named pretty much lasts the whole year. Nice. Well, Hughes, I'm gonna let you loose on it. I know you're a former old lineman. Uh, you gouged out some eyes there in the trenches. So let me know yeah. what you're thinking. Well, I think. And you could say this with just about any position. The key for the offensive line this year is to stay healthy across the board. Um, like Grifka was saying, it, it hurt that Taylor Decker missed a lot of the year because um, it kind of threw a wrench into all the plans. But even later in the year, you know, T.J. Lang missed a few games. Rick Wagner missed, missed a few games. And I think just talking and playing a lot of different guys in there kind of hurt the, the chemistry of everything. So I think just having a healthy offensive line will help. But then, like we talked about, all these guys that they signed is going to make this this unit a lot deeper than they've been in a long time. 
um, with Frosty and Dahl and Woody Johnson they signed. So I just think it's a, it's a matter of making sure everybody stays healthy, but then also making sure that when somebody goes down, there's somebody who's not as good but good enough to plug in a spot and play when needed. What uh, what do you think? Can you agree with Grifka's front uh, front five, or you got a change in there? I got a little bit of a change. I think uh, he might not be a Pro Bowl center, but he's got a Pro Bowl cookie duster. I'm going to think that uh, Graham Glasgow is going to be the starting center. <laughs> you know, happy happy uh, Ragnow Day is going to play left guard. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm still trying to get over the Glasgow comment, but I got you. He's uh, that's pretty hey. solid. You, got, you look. You look at pictures like that. He seems like he'd be a guy to drive an eighteen-wheeler to practice. So, you know, I think I think he's more familiar with uh, JBC's offense and some of the calls and things. So, I think initially that that's what they're going to want to do. Um, I mean, it could change, but I think I think that's what we're going to be looking at week one. Nice. And uh, I'm actually going to side with Hughes on this one. Like from what I've been hearing and what I think, like even though everybody's penciled Rag now in as a center. I see him more maybe playing left guard to start. Glasgow being the the guy, both making the calls and Stafford's a little more familiar with him. Get a year or half a year under his belt and transition that whenever you think possible. Obviously, I think all the other uh, four guys are are you know their standard spots. Um, Grifka hit on him. Crosby and Dahl is the two big name backups. I mean, I think those are going to be your guys. Uh, and. Crosby, it sounded like Grifka wasn't that high on him. I mean, to me, this guy can play left and right. He can play both inside spots, like people reject him maybe as a better guard. He's big. He's got long arms. I don't know if he has a bunch of nasty in him. He seems like a little bit more of a finesse guy, but I know he played more as a as a run road grader. So I just think if we look at this, I want to get your guys' take on this too before we close this section up, is I'm looking at this old line, both the youth, the skill, the potential – and I've never seen a Lions O-line with my time being a fan that had this potential to be top five, top ten at the least, in my opinion. Um, can you guys remember when they've invested so much and probably will get so much results back when it comes to the, the guys up front? I remember days where they've invested a lot of money in it and the return's been terrible. I can't remember the last time they were able to invest good money and it turned out to be you know, wise. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that really worked out. Seems I remember when the Lions spent money on Jim Pine, and that guy, they ended up, he was there for like two years, and then they ended up leaving him open for the expansion draft for Cleveland. And that guy was supposed to be like a stud center. I remember when they when they needed three offensive linemen, Wayne Fonts needed three offensive linemen, they went out and got three former guards trying to trying to make, you know, they were, they were all right guards, and they tried to make a left guard, a right guard, and a right tackle. I mean, so they've spent, I mean, there's, it's been times in the past where they've spent the money and it just hasn't seemed to ever work out. Um, so, I mean, I'd be, I would love it if you know, this this offensive line turned out to be like even a top 10, you know, top five, you know, in the league, you know, uh, that's kind of what we've been waiting for ever since, you know, Barry Sanders was running for his life, you know, two yards in the backfield trying to break a, break something off. But my thing is they've always had a player or two that were either pro bowlers or like in their heyday where they, had a, uh, you know, maybe two of the offensive linemen be good, but I've never seen him put together. I'm looking at it right now. Like I'm thinking four of these guys have Pro Bowl potential, and one is a, you know, a, a guy that we still don't know is upside, 
but you know he could be right there as well and he's 25 years old so um that's what i'm saying is as a unit i see this as a better unit than i've ever seen before not individual players are better than they ever had and i agree with you i've seen him go out too in free agency and get aging veterans that used to be good or get somebody that um you know didn't fit but they brought him in at big money but never a cohesive unit where it was like a plan and that's what i feel me and hughes hughes hit on it a little bit about we've been talking about this bob quinn plan for a while and it seemed like he came in and got right to the offensive line protecting his quarterback and he stayed on that track along with trying to make this defense bigger and nastier yeah i think the another point too is you know i know that quinn's put a lot of uh, drastic resources into the offensive line but so did Mayhew. I mean, think about all the misses that Mayhew had with Travis Swanson, let Larry Warford walk, Riley Reef. I mean, you put that many high draft picks in your offensive line, younger guys who, you know, five probably five years ago were on the team, and you just either let them walk or you completely miss on the draft pick. So, you know, there has to be a point in time when you're, when you're done starting over with building your offensive line because I feel like that's kind of what the Lions are doing. To me, the curse goes all the way back to whenever Minnesota Vikings took Steve Hutchinson right in front of us, and we got stuck with Jeff Backett. Hutchinson's <laughs> in the Hall of Fame, and Backett was a was a ten year pro, but never made a Pro Bowl. So that's where our offensive line curse started. But <laughs> I, I hope that this group comes out of it as one of the best. Um, you know, we've been down this path before, but like you said, not as deep across the board with five guys like this. Yeah, it's a great point. I really like your point about the previous picks. As I'm going through in my head, they did invest, but like you said, they just missed. And you said, hey, it's about time or when is it going to be time to to stop investing? Well, my answer to that is when they get it right, you know, and I'm kind of hoping that with my boy Rag now and with, uh, you know, I think I think Wagner and Lang are going to be head and shoulders better. I just feel like they came in, they were new, they were all dinged up, and we didn't see anywhere close to what they can be. And even Ricky Wagner, you go look at his stats, like, I mean, they had him ranked as a pretty high-end blocker last year, even though, you know, we didn't think he was, like, dominant. Like, he was out there when he could be, and he made plays. So I think they're on the right track, and I think if you're going to invest anywhere in a football team, you know, you got to have the quarterback right, and I think you got to have the guys up front right. So um, I think we're on that way, and this will be a huge year to know if we either have a dominant – O-line or if we swung and missed both in free agency and the draft. So um, I'm hoping and thinking that Bob Quinn not only has a plan, but has the right plan when it comes to guys up front. Drink it in, man.